Hey folks, a quick tip before we get into the show. If you enjoyed the recent episode with Felipe Turan talking about the use of TEE in the ICU, we have actually a group discount for you you could use to attend the Resus TEE course that Felipe runs. They tour around and do this workshop in different areas. I attended, Brian's attending soon. Really a great one-day course with a ton of hands-on experience. And Felipe agreed to offer you guys 20% for listeners of the show. This is going to be good for the next several classes up until the New York City courses on July 22nd and 23rd. Just enter the code CCSPOD, C-C-S-P-O-D 20, when you go to check out and you'll get your 20%. Uh, don't circulate that code around. It's really just for you guys, but we encourage you to give it a try. Now, time for the show. Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Odo. And I'm Brian Bowling. And this is Critical Care Scenarios, the podcast where we use clinical cases, narrative storytelling, and expert guests to unpack how critical care is practiced in the real world. All right, welcome back everyone. It is Brandon once again with another Turbo. Today I want to talk about skin. Skin is one of the most useful tools when it comes to physical examination of a critically ill patient. No matter how much monitoring you have through vital signs, invasive devices, echocardiography, whatever, the skin is still something that can add a lot of information. You will find me with a patient who is in shock, maybe newly so, you know, we don't know what's going on yet. And along with looking at the general appearance of the patient, what you will very often see me doing is touching their skin, maybe feeling some pulses, but most of all, just feeling the actual skin of perhaps their feet or their hands. And what I'm looking for is, is this skin pink? And, and by pink, I mean, uh, you know, appropriately perfused for whatever their actual skin color is. Is it warm or is it cool? And perhaps is there capillary refill? And what is this telling me? Now, I was taught at least two different things to answer this question at different points in my training. At one point, I was taught that the purpose of the skin is that it tells you what the patient's cardiac output is, or it approximates it. A patient who has warm, well-perfused skin has good flow. And then at a different point, I was taught that no, no, what the skin is telling you is something about their SVR, their systemic vascular resistance, how vasoconstricted or dilated they are. And this confused me for a while because it can't be both, right? And the message I want to try to give you today is that it actually is both. And the reason it's both is because both of those variables are tied together. Not only does the skin tell you about both the cardiac output and the SVR, but it has to, because anytime you're looking at either of those variables, you're looking at both. It's meaningless to say something about the output without thinking about the resistance or vice versa. I'll give you an example. Take a patient who has no flow. They're in cardiac arrest. What is that patient's vascular resistance? Do you see how not only 
can you not really answer that question? It doesn't really have a meaning even. There is no resistance if there's no flow. Now, what about vice versa? All right, imagine a patient who you're treating for heart failure. You look at them, they're in shock, they have wet lungs. Maybe you're monitoring them with something like a swan. Their cardiac index is like one. They look like they're poorly perfused. You say, you have the cardiologist there, hey, we should reduce the afterload. This is what we do with heart failure patients, right? You give them arterial vasodilators because you know that will decrease the work the heart has to squeeze against and improve the output. You give them ACE inhibitors or nitrates or whatever. How can it be that reducing the vascular resistance improves the output? Well, because they go together. You're not giving them an inotrope. You're not directly managing the contractility, but you're improving the output by decreasing its resistance. You give them those drugs, and suddenly their index is 1.9. They're no longer in shock. What have you done? You've improved the output by reducing the resistance. So which of those variables is the one you actually care about? Well, it's really the product of them, but I know what you're asking. Which is the one we should control or manage directly? Should we reduce afterload and vasodilate, or should we increase contractility? Well, that just depends on the patient. You can't necessarily do both, or would you necessarily want to? You look at the patient who has poor perfusion, and you say, I want to do something to improve this. Which can I do? Their blood pressure is already low. Well, you probably can't vasodilate that patient. You can't manage the SVR side of the equation, so you're going to work on the other one and try to improve their contractility. Or vice versa. Their heart seems to work, but they're very vasoconstricted. Maybe we start there. Their blood pressure is high. We have room to go down. So let's bring this full circle. You look at the patient who's in shock. Ultimately, the first question you probably want to answer is, is this a distributive shock? So much of the shock we see in the ICU is distributive. It's probably from sepsis. That's the lion's share. Of course, there are other causes. But you don't want to get stuck in the habit of assuming everything is that because many other types of shock are very eminently treatable, and if you don't treat them, the patient may not do well. So you want to answer that question. Could this be a problem of flow, which many times will mean a cardiogenic shock, but you could also talk about obstructive shocks here, or is it that vasodilation? How are you going to answer that? Touch the skin. Look at it. Look at the capillary refill. A patient who has pink, warm, well-perfused extremities, yet who is hypotensive and in shock, that's your distributive patient. That's the patient you're going to treat by vasoconstricting them with your usual pressors. What if the skin is cold, clammy, the pulses are weak, the capillary refill is slow? That's the patient who has a problem of flow. And now you have to answer the question of, are you going to treat that by vasodilation or contractility or, in the case of some sort of obstructive problem, obviously relieving that? Empty their pneumothorax, drain their pericardial effusion, whatever. 
So the two things I want you to take away from this are one, understanding that this physiologic variable you're assessing when you look at something like peripheral perfusion is this kind of combined concept of SVR and cardiac output in that it's not a bug that you can't separate those. It's intrinsic to those concepts. Resistance and flow are one. You can tease apart which aspect of it you choose to manipulate, but the result, the output dependent variable has to incorporate both. And then the other concept is that skin is probably the best, certainly the quickest, and probably the most patient relevant way to assess these things. You can extrapolate some idea of resistance with something like a swan. You can measure flow directly with something like a swan or maybe echo uh, variables. But to combine the two and understand what it actually means at the tissue level, probably you should look at the tissue. And this is what studies like Andromeda Shock demonstrated, looking at capillary refill compared against markers like lactate. What we care about is perfusion to the tissues, so look at the tissues. That's all for today. Talk to you next time.